One of the first Bible stories we ever learn is the story of a man named Noah and a mighty flood. The story of animals in pairs and an enormous ark. The story eventually of sun and a bird and a branch and a rainbow. Before we read this text, I have to confess that every now and then we change the response of praise in the bulletin. This week it's rain down, rain down, rain down, and I thought, should we change it for today? But we didn't. Let us pray. Rain down your love indeed, O oh God, on us as we read this word and help us to trust that love till it soaks us all the way through. In Christ we pray. Amen. Listen now for God's word to us from Genesis chapter 9, verses 8 through 17. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. I establish my covenant with you, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it, and I will remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Flag day was Wednesday. Back in Kansas City, there was a woman in the church where we served. When I met her, she was already near 100 years old. She loved to party. Her name was Stormy Shank. Her youngest boy's name, it's etched on the wall of the Vietnam Memorial. Flag Day was her favorite. She'd invite half the church to her tiny apartment in her retirement home. All the nurses would sneak in for snacks. And stars and stripes were everywhere. When she looked at the flag, I think she remembered her boy and the war. As Jarrett mentioned, later today, 26 kids and nine adults will be on I-40 West, 
headed to Montreat. As soon as they hit Burke County, where Morganton is the county seat, they will see a giant Confederate flag flying in the sky. And they'll see another one as they leave that county. It's like bookends. And I wonder what folks think about when they see that flag flying. What do they remember? If you walk down to Sutton's after church for lunch and you look above you, you'll see pride flags hanging on all the light posts. They'll be up all of June, Pride Month. They'll be up here, but not in Michigan, in a town near Detroit where that flag has been banned. When you see that flag flying, what goes through your mind? That all are made in God's image? I hope so. What flags do you have? Tar Heels? Duke? Ukraine? What do you fly? And what do you remember when you look to the sky? I had a really hard time picking the scripture verses for today. Of course, I knew I was preaching on Noah's Ark, but it's a long story. So in your bulletin, I just copped out and I wrote Genesis chapter 6 through 9, Selections. Chapter 6 is where we hear about the grief that lives in God's heart. Grief over how violent and awful we human beings can be to each other and to the planet. God says, I'm sorry that I made them. Now just five chapters earlier, mind you, Right after God created the daylily and dandelion, the bunny and the bullfrog, the lion and the lamb, God makes humankind. And God doesn't just say that we're good, but that we're very good. So the whiplash from very good to I regret it all is striking. Chapter 6 is where we hear about Noah, a righteous man who walks with God who becomes the recipient for the instructions for the ark. Instructions that put even Ikea to shame. And then the zoo comes, two by two, wild and domestic, male and female, prey and hunter, and it rains for 40 days, and the waters swell for 150 days more, and then they float and they wait, and they perch on a mountain, and they wait some more, and if you're counting, all of that is 12 months longer than it would have taken me to lose my mind on that boat. Especially if I thought about the loss, the loss that was happening under the hull. Chapter eight is when the dove finally flies back with a freshly plucked olive branch. A green sign of hope. Now, I read you part of chapter 9, when God sets the bow in the sky. It's the greatest flag that has ever flown. But I could have kept going in chapter 9, too, if I had kept reading literally three verses, three, after Noah gets off the ark, 
He's drunk and naked and spitting out horrid curses. If it were not so sad, it would be comical. The flood comes, but nothing really changes on the earth, at least. So what do we do with this old story? This week, I got an email from Bob Johnson. He's the gent in the seersucker that often will give you your bulletin. He asked, why couldn't Noah have left the mosquitoes off the ark? <laughs> yes, it is a delightful wondering. But I think too that some darker wondering comes up in us when we read this story again. What kind of God exterminates creation? But what if this is not, in fact, a story about, about God destroying creation at all? Go with me down this path for a minute. Genesis tells us that the world was corrupt, and thus it was destroyed. In Hebrew, the root word for corruption and the root for the word destruction are one and the same. The seeds for the earth's destruction are sown by creation's own violence. So yes, this story is full of judgment, but judgment doesn't have to be about God's meanness. It's what happens when the world runs into the consequences of its own actions. And not to be untoward, but I find it incredibly telling that this Hebrew word is three letters. The first letter is S. The second letter is H. Hebrew words don't have vowels. And the last letter is T. <laughs> Just gonna let you sit with that. Isn't it true that when we treat people and the planet like manure, when we do that, don't we oftentimes find ourselves drowning in it ourselves? So perhaps this is less a story of God being recklessly destructive and more a story about God acting in the midst of our own meanness to bring an olive branch and a promise of everlasting relationship. Ultimately, this is why I ended up reading just the selection that I picked, just 10 verses from chapter 9. We call this the story of Noah's Ark. The fact of the matter is that Noah never speaks in this entire story, but God does. God speaks, and the world is never the same after it. God says, I establish my covenant with you. Never again will a flood destroy it all. I set my bow in the clouds. I will see it. I will remember the promise that I make to you. It's fascinating, really, that God says the rainbow is for God's own reminder, not ours. Preacher Jenny McDevitt tells a story about being with her friend Sarah 
going out to visit Sarah when Sarah's twins were just a few months old. Jenny's main job was to hold whichever of the two babies did not need Sarah at that given moment. Jenny said one day, as her daughter was screaming her head off as Sarah bounced her in a futile attempt at soothing, I heard Sarah whispering, Zoe Winsett, child of the covenant. Zoe Winsett, you are a child of the covenant. And I told her how sweet I thought that was. Remind them even before they can forget, I said, but she cut me off. Jenny, she said, I am not reminding Zoe that she is a child of the covenant. I am reminding myself. <laughs> because right now, it is pretty easy to forget. I cannot relate to that story at all. <laughs> Church God puts the rainbow in the sky for God to remember. And it flies high not for us, but for God's own grieving, troubled heart. And another thing, most covenants are mutual. And most of them spell out with great specificity what is expected of each party, what each participant will do or will not do. But this covenant with Noah and all future descendants has no conditions at all. There is not one word about what Noah will do or won't do. There's only words about what God will do and what God will not do. Turns out this isn't a story about Noah or his ark at all, really. It's a story about God who binds himself to creation and promises himself to it even amidst the mess we cook up. Even though God knows enough and has seen enough to know it will hurt him. From the very beginning, this is who God is. And it tracks all the way to the cross. And it holds fast today in this place and this time. We're human, and we will fly flags of loyalty to all manner of different places and causes. But all of us who have breath stand beneath God's arching bow, God's promise of everlasting love, a one-sided gift given no matter the cost. So may those colors shine through every storm and remind us, too, of God's unwavering faithfulness. Thanks be to God. Amen. <laughs>